Our scripture comes from Luke, the final week. So sad. Luke 2, 41 through 52. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking when he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. When I was in middle school um, or junior high as we had, there was one day where uh, I missed the bus on the way home. And I decided it was a good idea to try to walk home, even though I was not apparently entirely sure on the route uh, in which to get home. Uh, I grew up in a suburb, and I, I looked it up. Um, from my house to the school was like exactly a mile and a half, so very much you know, within walking range of a, I don't know, seventh grader. But um, there, was, there were some busy streets that were kind of on the way, and and my parents always didn't really like me to walk on the busy street, so I was supposed to walk like one block off, you know, and kind of walk, walk the rest of the way. And this mile and a half journey uh, ended up becoming more like a three and a half mile journey as I uh, turned too early down one street and then went way too far and then eventually took a left and, and went far enough and it took me an extra couple miles before I got to a street that I like knew where I was and by that point I had overshot my house but I, I was actually like at my elementary school not at the junior high I was like way at the wrong part of town um, and eventually got got to my parents house of course they were worried about where their son had been for you know, I wasn't like walking fast this whole time so it had been a, a good amount of time um, and and they were kind of worried about where I've been and you know it, it all ended up fine, but as, as we get into our text today, it's kind of interesting. Here we find Mary and Joseph, and, and from their point of view, they have lost Jesus. They don't know where it is. They don't know uh, where he has gone, and, and we're at the end of this series uh, called After Christmas, and it's the series where we're, we're slowing down, and we're not trying to rush past the whole Christmas season. We, we talked about the different uh, things leading up to Christmas, and then, and then Christmas itself, and then what's really common in most churches, and, and I do it just as much as anyone else, is, is you kind of just go on to something else in the Bible, right? Uh, but there are these series of stories that uh, Christmas, it's, it's not just like in isolation in the Bible. There's a series of stories afterwards, and, 
And it actually makes more sense if we dive into those, and they're called the infancy narratives. I don't think I've used that term yet. If you want to, I don't know, know what to Google. Uh, infancy narratives is, is the term. And, and here we are at the last one. So now Jesus, we've, uh, we've fast forward in time, and he is now uh, a 12-year-old. And in their uh, culture, in their time, 13 is when you became uh, responsible for yourself, is when you became more, more of an adult. Um, the bar mitzvah is, is, comes around about 500 years later, but you know it's that kind of idea. At 13, uh, Jesus would uh, either start you know, learning more in his education or he'd start learning his father's trade. And, and we know that Joseph is a carpenter uh, from the Bible. So, so this is still boy Jesus, and he's referred to as a boy, but like next year, he's like young man Jesus, right? So he's right on that edge. And, and I don't know, we know how people are when they're right there. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we'll just get into the text. I think, I think that'll help make a little more sense of what's going on. So, so Jesus is, is just barely, like, too young for what he does here, right? But then at the end, uh, spoiler alert, he ends up following his parents and going back home, <laughs> right? So, so here we are. This is Luke uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 41. Luke 2.41, it says, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. So I'm just going to pause there. This, this text, a lot of the Bible uses this up and down language, even though in our maps they're in Nazareth, which is north of Jerusalem. So they're not, they're not worried about north and south. They're worried about elevation. So they're going uh, from a lower country up to Jerusalem, and at the end they go down, but I just don't want you to get confused. So that's, that's what's going on. They're going up uh, to the mountain um, to where Jerusalem is, and there's several big festivals during the year. Uh, there's three that, that people journey to Jerusalem for, but the biggest one uh, here is Passover, and all the men of the region are required to go, and here we're told that not only does Joseph go, but Joseph and Mary and Jesus, and they, and they all go to Jerusalem, so they're kind of going above and beyond uh, what's even required of them at the time, and, and they go to uh, Jerusalem for Passover, and it's the celebration of God's people being freed from slavery in Egypt. So it goes all the way back into the book of Exodus, and they're celebrating this moment where God has met them in, in an incredibly special way and, and freed them. And, and year after year, they celebrate uh, this, this event, as, as one should, uh, as one uh, would. And they, they go there, and, and they're met with just many, many people. So the, the population of Jerusalem multiplies, you know, many-fold as everyone comes in. And they all have flocked there, and they celebrate together. And Jesus' family is among these pilgrims that have descended on Jerusalem to celebrate. Verse 43. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Once again, the boy Jesus. Remember, he's 12. So he's barely boy Jesus, but here the boy Jesus stares behind in Jerusalem, and it says, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. 
I don't know about you. When I first read this passage, like when you first start looking at it, you're just like, this is, you lost Jesus? Right? I mean, there's some like, like not only did you lose a kid, like, I mean, that's like bad, but like, this is Jesus. Like, come on. And, and yet, you know, we look at their time, we look into their culture, it makes a little bit more sense what's going on here. So um, how did they lose him? Well, they would have been traveling in this really large caravan of people. And, and chances are, you know, everyone left Passover at the same time. There's only a few main roads that travel the region. So like all the people from Galilee, from that whole region that went, probably left on the same day. So... So this road is just filled with people as they're all uh, now, now spreading out from Jerusalem, going back to their own place. And, and how you would have traveled is kind of in these really large family units, right? So, so you're not just kind of aimlessly wandering with all these people, but, but it's like a family reunion, like on the go, right? And you're all going back to the same town. You're all going back to your same place. And, and as you can imagine, in that kind of setting... And, and again, culturally, you've got to kind of look in their world. They definitely have uh, this mindset, and we still, still sometimes say it, where it takes a village to raise a child. Right? You've all heard that. It takes a village to raise a child. So, so that's very much what's going on in their culture. So they're not so worried, as we might be so worried, that the village is just raising this child for a day. Right? So, so they're all traveling. They're, they're all talking. They're all having fun, and they've just done this celebration, and they're returning home, and, and it's not actually that outrageous to think that Jesus is like with the other 12-year-olds, right? Somewhere in this whole caravan, there's a group of like older kids, and I don't know, they're probably like fighting with sticks. I don't know. Like what, what, do, what do like older kids do on these kind of trips? They're, they're throwing rocks at things. They're, they're doing all these all these things, they're doing whatever 12-year-olds do on a long journey, and, and at the end of the day, they're, they're responsible for kind of meeting back up with their parents, right? And then they're going to camp out, or they're going to do uh, whatever's going on, and, and then it come morning, they'll start traveling once again. So what's happening is Mary and Joseph, they get to the point where they're going to settle down for the night. They start to settle down, and they start looking for their son, Jesus, and they can't find him. And you can just imagine this frustration that starts to build as, as they go from relative to relative and asking, have you seen Jesus? Have you seen uh, our son? And, and soon that frustration starts to shift over to this panic, right? As, as more and more people say, we haven't, not only have we haven't seen him, we haven't seen him all day. You know, we haven't seen him around and, and they probably checked with the other young boys and no one has seen him and and again, this frustration shifts, and now the anxiety is at an all-time high, and they, they start to worry, and we get to verse 45. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Did you catch how long it's been? <laughs> Three days. Three days. So, so they were a day away from Jerusalem, 
probably had to spend the night, not, not safe to travel at all. I'm sure they did not get much sleep that night. And, and the next day, have to travel all the way back. So that's day one. So now he's been gone for two days. Right? And, and then they searched Jerusalem for two more days. Finally, at the end of the third day, they find him. They probably looked all around the city trying to, trying to find out where he was. All these places that they had visited while they were there for Passover. Maybe they have some local family members that they spent some meals with and they go back to those places and see where he could be. And now this, this frustration that turned to anxiety is now at an all-time high. They're, they're incredibly concerned uh, for their son. And, and we would be in today's world too, but but keep in mind, again, when we look at the Bible, they live in a cruel world. They live in a harsh world, a world that is a hard place. And yet they're missing their 12-year-old. Right? And, and their minds are, of course, filled with, with these worst-case scenario kind of situations. And, and what do we do and where do we look next? And eventually they check the temple itself. Maybe Jesus is in these temple courts. The, the temple has uh, kind of the main center, and, and only priests are there, but then there's these courtyards that are around. And um, there's, there's buying and selling of goods that's happening. It's almost like this bustling marketplace of people and activity, and, and apparently there's teachers sitting around, and they're discussing the Old Testament law, and, and there's all this uh, kind of commotion going on. So they're like, well, this is the city center. We're going to go... Check there, and three days in, they go to the temple courts, and they find him. And they find him with the teachers of the Old Testament law, and he's listening to them, and he's asking questions of them, and, and apparently he's been there for three days doing this, and, and everyone who heard him was amazed, we're told. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. That'll continue for the rest of the gospel account. Right? People will ask Jesus questions and they'll be amazed by his answers. They'll be amazed by his understanding. And he's been here and he's been discussing the law with these teachers again for three days. And I just imagine uh, to myself, maybe I'm just putting myself in the setting, but but I imagine Mary and Joseph's anxiety and worry shifting over to this, like, righteous anger. <laughs> right? Can't you, like, feel, like, those of you who are parents, can't you, like, feel that, like, now they see him, now he's safe, you know, that, like, that, that part is gone, and now, like, the, the what are you doing, <laughs> you know, level has, has gone through the roof. And, and here we are in verse 48, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. My Bible translation just has a question mark after the first sentence and a period after the second one. I, I feel like there's a few exclamation points that are needed, are needed in there, like, like that old like, question mark and then exclamation point you know, kind of thing. Uh, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and mother have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus, we've, we've been worried sick about where you are. What are you doing here? 
Why didn't you come with your family? Why didn't you leave when the rest of us left town? Why, why, didn't you, why weren't you concerned about how we would feel? Why, why did you know that we would be so worried? And, um, or as Mary simply puts it, why have you treated us like this? And the answer that Jesus gives is very simple. It's, it's short. Uh, it's only one sentence, and yet it's very profound. What he actually says is the key to understanding this whole passage. So as I was studying more of these passages, uh, even this week, uh, I came across something that I think uh, shines a light on this quite a bit. So again, these are the infancy narratives of Jesus. These are, these are young Jesus before his ministry starts, but, but after Christmas. And, and each one of them ends with someone saying who this, who this Jesus is. There's a quote in every one of these in the Gospel of Luke. We've been kind of in the series jumping back between Luke and Matthew because they're both in there. But here in Luke, there's always this sentence at the end. And first, the angels come to Mary and they say who this Jesus is going to be. And then next, the angels go to the shepherds and the shepherds see baby Jesus and then they say who this Jesus is. They go out telling the good news of who Jesus is. And then, then Jesus, as a, as a baby, is going to be presented at the temple and they need to make offerings uh, on behalf of this newborn and on behalf of Mary, and they come across these two elders of the community, uh, Simeon and Anna, and each one of them, as kind of the highlight of their own story, says who this Jesus is. So we've been building, we've been building and building and building, and here we are at the, the peak of that build, and now we have Jesus himself. Twelve-year-old Jesus is now going to speak for himself for the first time, in the Gospels, and he's going to say who he is. So not that you need to, but if you're a person who, like, uses a Bible highlighter, you got to use a Bible one, because there's more like a color pencil. You use a regular one, it's just going to bleed through, like, 15 pages, because these are thin, right? Uh, so there's a special Bible, and if you're a Bible highlighter person, this, this is a spot to highlight, because Jesus is going to speak for the first time, and he's going to say who he is. Verse 49, why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know that I had to be at my father's house? Verse 50, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Didn't you know I had to be at my father's house? Here, it's actually deeper than what Jesus is saying. He's, he's connecting with God in this way that he's calling God his father, and he's, and he's doing it in a way that's um, controversial in his time. We, we kind of read over it because, yeah, this sounds like Jesus. God's Jesus' father. Like, we kind of get that. We, like, move on. But, but there's something really big happening here. Jesus is proclaiming his, his own identity. His own true identity. First the angels did, then the shepherds did, and then we had Simeon, and we had Anna, and now Jesus himself is speaking, and he's saying who he is. It's all been leading to this moment. Don't you know that I had to be in my father's house? 
Being the son of the father meant that Jesus had to be about his father's mission, that, that God was doing something in the world. And of course, uh, of course I'm going to be uh, you know, in, in line with that. I'm going to be doing things that are in, in line with it. This phrase, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house, in different translations is translated differently, and, and that's because the Greek allows that. Um, so you have one option, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And the other option, didn't you know I needed to do my father's work? Right, it's the, it's the same phrase in Greek, very different in English, but didn't you know that I had to do my father's work? This son of God title is a very popular, very common title all through the Old Testament for, for this Messiah, for who this, this Savior was going to be that was going to come and was going to rescue uh, people from their sins, that, that he was going to be the son of God. Again, very, very common title. It would have been on the forefront of everyone's mind as they're looking for how was God going to fulfill this. So Jesus isn't just saying that he's a follower of God. Right here at the age of 12, at the age of 12, he's actually declaring himself the Messiah. And he's saying that he needs to be about his father's business. So just an example from this from the Old Testament, Psalm 2 verses 1 through 7. Oh, you'll see some of, some of this language come through, some of this father-son language. This is Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire in the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord, that means God, against the Lord and against his anointed, which is the word Messiah in Greek. So the kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them with his anger and terrifies them with his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. And now pay attention here in verse 7. I will proclaim the Lord's decree, he said to me. You are my son. Today I have become your father. So again, this, this Old Testament writing uh, that is talking about this, this day that will come where this Messiah will come and he will be a son of God. Uh, and he will be connected with God in a special way. It even uses the word anointed in here, which, which in the New Testament is the word Messiah uh, that we're so familiar with. And uh, it talks about but Jesus himself and who he will be. And, and here in Luke 2, we have Jesus playing off of not just this verse, but many verses in the Old Testament. And he's making a reference to that. And that's not shocking, because if you pay attention to what Jesus says for the rest of the Gospels, he keeps talking about the Old Testament. He keeps quoting different things. So everything he says, it's, it's like 10 times deeper than it seems to be because it's always a reference backwards uh, to these different things that God has done or that, that God's people have been through. 
So Jesus, here Jesus is placing himself right into this role as the son of God. But yet he doesn't stay in Jerusalem. And Jesus will say this a number of times. He doesn't stay because his time has not come yet. It's not time for him to reveal this to the world. There's actually one that needs to come first, and it's the very next uh, section in the Bible, and I, and I won't get into it today, but, but John the Baptist is going to come first, and he's the one that prepares the way for the Lord. And, and in the Gospel of Luke here, again, it just goes immediately to that. That's the next thing. Something needs to happen before Jesus comes into the world. So he goes back with his parents to Nazareth. Verse 51, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. I won't get into too much here, but this phrase that his mother, that Mary, treasured all these things in her heart uh, is another thing in the Gospel of Luke that I think this is the fourth time Mary has treasured everything in her heart. First the angel came to her then, and told her that she was going to give birth to the Messiah and this is how it's going to work. And then, then at the end of that, she treasured it all in her heart. And then she gives birth and then the shepherds come and the shepherds leave and they proclaim who this Jesus is. And it says, and then Mary treasured it all in her heart. And it, it just kind of keeps going there. She's, she's slowly kind of understanding what's going on <laughs> uh, in, this, in this setting with this Jesus. There's, there's questions to be asked, but God is doing something. Uh, and it's kind of slowly being revealed. And I, I kind of like that because, I don't know, that's how God works with me. <laughs> I, I hardly ever have these moments where God's like, here's everything. You know, now go forward with that. <laughs> right? It's always like, here's a, here's a step. You know, then maybe you're faithful in it. And, and then the next thing happens and you turn around. And you, if you turn around, I don't know, 15, 20 years later, and you'll be like, I might have said no. <laughs> If I, if I knew I had to like stand up in front of church and give a sermon, like I don't, I, I'm pretty sure I, I would have said no. <laughs> but you say yes, you know, along the way. So who is this Jesus? That, that's the main point of really this whole series of, of scripture passages, this whole section of narrative. And, and next, it will move on to John the Baptist, and kind of the story continues. But, but the whole point of this is, who is this Jesus? What is happening? That's the question that we're asking. It's the question that, that Luke's uh, you know, original audience, he would have, been, would have been writing this gospel to, and the Holy Spirit would be working through, would, would be asking, who is he? And, and here, Jesus says that he is the Messiah. That he is this anointed one of God, that he is the son of the father, that he is the one prophesied about in the Old Testament, that he is fully God, that he is fully human. But it's interesting because in our world today, it, that's not really what, maybe it's what Christians think, but it's not really what many people in our world think Jesus was. What seems to be more popular, a more popular idea, maybe you're probably familiar with it, is this idea that Jesus is a wise religious leader 
but he's kind of one of, I don't know, either a handful or, or a number of them that, that have existed through history, and, and maybe we can learn some wisdom from him. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Is this kind of, I'm not preaching that. Don't like be quoting, Pastor John said this. <laughs> this is what we learned about at my church today. <laughs> but, but there's this idea that, that Jesus is just kind of this other person. He's on par with these other religious leaders, and we can learn spiritual things you know, through following him. And, and yet, Luke doesn't really give us that option here. There's not really the option anywhere in the Bible that, that leaves room for that. Because he claims to be so much more. He claims to be so much more in our lives. He, he says that he's uh, this unique son of God, that he has exclusive rights to reveal uh, how God is acting in the world, how God wants to uh, connect with his people. And, and it actually brings us to this place that, that if we go to the Bible and we try to understand Jesus, we either have two options. We can reject him or we can accept him. But this option that he's like this other wise religious leader, one among many that pointed some people in a good direction, it's really not there. Actually, it's a, it's a famous quote. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, you know, famous Christian writer says that we have three options as people in this world, that we have three options when we look to Jesus, and that is if we faithfully look into Scripture and we look to who he is. Option one is that Jesus is a liar. I don't think it's true. But option one, Jesus is a liar. Option two is that he really believed it, but he was a lunatic. Right? And then option three is that he's Lord. That it's actually true. These are real, that's really it. There is no option that like he's one of a bunch of wise leaders because the, the claims he makes, if that was the case, it's like, no, then he's a lunatic. Right? Then, then he's not, it doesn't make any sense. He can't say that he is God and, and human at the same time, that he is this, this Messiah that's been, uh, that they've been talking about, that all these prophets have spoken about it doesn't it doesn't make any sense that that he could be this this other figure either he's lying about that or he's crazy or he's telling the truth those are really the three options and and here I mean just perfect example John 14:6 words of Jesus uh, gospel of John chapter 14 verse 6 I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me. Again, three options. Right? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's either lying, he's mistaken, crazy, right? <laughs> or, or it's true. He doesn't leave us in, in our world with with all these options to just kind of rank him among these other religious leaders. Yeah, they pointed people in a good direction. You know, he talked about love, and, and he, you know, that's kind of how some people in the world say, yeah, he, he talks about love. He talked about a lot of things. I mean, yes, he talked about love. It's there. <laughs> like, it's all over the place. But, but he talks about a lot, and if he's, uh, he's one of these three, 
considering I'm standing up here, I, I bet you can probably guess which one I, you think I, or I think he is, <laughs> right? Which, which one uh, the Gospels seemingly point to that he is, but, but he's either much more than this religious leader kind of person, or he's much, much less. He can't simply be in that place. And I think all through the Gospels, particularly here in the Gospel of Luke, if, if you start in chapter 1 and you just read through the Gospel of Luke and you do it in, I don't know, one, two, or three settings and you kind of, or sittings, and you kind of just read for a big chunk of Scripture, trying to understand the story, you're going to read a story of, of the Gospel showing that Jesus is so much more. Over and over and over and over again, people will declare who he is. Jesus will declare who he is. Some will follow and some will reject him. People will fall into these three categories. Some think he's a liar. Some think he's a lunatic. And some think he really is the Lord. That's not a, it's not a new problem. It's, it's exactly what happens right in the Bible and it just continues on. Out of those three options, I think Scripture only points to one of them. Here's what, uh, and the list could go on and on and on, but here's just a few things about Jesus being Lord that is said in the, in the Gospels, and I'll end with this. That he is Lord that he is the word, that he is the life, that he is the king of Israel, that he is the only begotten of the Father, that he is the son of man, that he is the lamb, that he is the son of God, that he is the master that he is the teacher, that he is the only one that is worth following, and that he is the light of the world.